everyone. This is Jen. And this is Dom. And you're listening to... 99% Chance of... Wine and and Murder. (laughs) Episode 8. We're here. That is where we need to be. You gotta do something crazy for episode 10, I think. I know. I've been, like, looking, looking. I'm like... I just need to find something really fucked Like, do we... Yeah. Do we need to do something super fucked up? Or should it be, like... The case of the century. I don't know. Ooh. But I don't know what that is. We, we would really have to look into it. <laughs> yeah. I think something really fucked up. I have yeah. one in mind, but even when I read the description, that one that Deb gave us. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, but I'm like, I don't know if I could say it. You know? I feel like I'd be, like, retracting into myself the whole time. I know, because it's, like, it's Disgusting. so... It's so hard to read and just, like, hear Like, about. we love... Learning about different murders, and even we read this description, and we're like, the fuck. fuck. <laughs> Nobody does this shit. People, like, it's just, but it's just even hard to believe that people would, would do, do something like that. Like, do something that's fucked up. Okay. I feel like we have to do I it I think now. now, yeah, okay, <laughs> episode 10 is gonna be really <laughs> fucked up, but we'll probably work on it together, because yeah. I will have nightmares if I work on it by myself. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one to work on together, because then we can... Talk about things that the other person doesn't want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say any of it. Uh, All right. Is it my turn to go first? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. I know everybody has probably heard of this murder. It's called the Toy Box Killer. Yeah. But I kind of like a dug one. a little deeper into it. So. No man is above the law and no man is below it, nor do we ask any man's permission when we ask him to obey it. Obedience to the law is demanded as a right, not asked as a favor. Theodore Roosevelt. The law, the one thing put into place to help aid in the protection of our individual rights and freedoms. But what happens when certain individuals don't choose to obey the laws put into place? Many acts of violence are carried out daily for none other reason than that of one sick individual's pleasure. This leads us to the story of David Parker Ray, also known as the Toy Box Killer. November 6, 1939 was the day that Ray was born into this world, the day that the world would become a little darker. He grew up in a fairly dysfunctional home life with his sister and very stern grandfather. His alcoholic father would drop in from time to time just to give Ray pornographic magazines oh. depicting S&M images. As fathers do. Yeah, really fucked up. Yeah. That of which inflicting pain and humiliation on another in a sexual manner just to gain arousal. Okay. When Ray was a teenager, he began having sadistic fantasies of the rape and torture of women resulting in their deaths. He would draw out his fantasies depicting these fantasies of his and his sister even found the drawings and was really creeped out by them. Yeah, I mean, I bet. <laughs> after he graduated, he worked as a mechanic after being honorably discharged from the army. Finding himself divorced three times with two children, his sexual fantasies were building up inside of him. He created himself an escape, an escape that would lead to a prison for many women in their lifetime. This escape was his toy box, a truck that he soundproofed and filled with items made for torture and murder. This dubbed the nickname the Toy Box Killer. Some of the items in this torture chamber were as follows. Whips, chains, pulleys, leg spreader bars, surgical blades, and saws. 
Also, a gynecological table with straps stationed underneath a mirror in which his victims would be forced to watch their mutilation. Because he got off. Oh, gross. Although it was heavily suspected that he had killed many of his victims, no bodies, not one, were ever found for him to be convicted on. Shit. However, with three living victims, there was enough evidence for investigation and conviction to be carried out. One of these living victims would be the reason why he would be found and put an end to his years of torture. The victim was Cynthia Vigil. In March 1999, Cynthia was approached in a parking lot while outside of her car by Ray, who pretended to be an undercover cop and arrested her on the pretense of sex work. Oh my God. He handcuffed her and drove her back to his Elephant Butte-like home. After three days of torture inflicted by Ray and his current girlfriend, Cindy Hendy, she managed to escape. She waited for... So, like, his girlfriend did it with him? Yeah, he had, like, multiple accomplices. Jesus. She waited for Ray to go to work and grabbed the keys to her handcuffs, which Hendy had accidentally left on a nearby table. Hendy saw her try to escape, and a fight broke out between them. Cynthia stabbed her in the throat with an ice pick and yes. ran for her life down the road wearing nothing but a slave collar and padlock chains when a nearby neighbor stopped her and took her into safety. This neighbor called the cops and tried to calm her while they waited. After the cops arrested Ray and Hendy due to this crime, they had other victims starting to come forward with their own accounts of horror that had been inflicted on them by Ray and other accomplices. Angelica Montano had escaped and reported her incident to police, but there was never a follow-up because they just didn't believe her. Oh, my God. Ray was a very trusted person in his community. He owned a local business called Raymond's Lounge and was an armed state park officer. Mm, Many people were involved in his crimes, which also aided in the amount um, of time his crimes went unnoticed. Members of local in, uh, local law enforcement were actually found to be involved in the crimes, as well as his daughter and previous girlfriends, as well as the manager of his lounge. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That's super fucked up. This lounge is where many um, fell victim to Ray's sadistic torture. The third victim to come forward who had escaped his grasp was Kelly Garrett. She had been out with Ray's daughter, Jessie Ray, after an argument with her husband. Jessie Ray drugged her friend's beer, who had tried to leave by walking out the parking lot, but before she could get into her car, she was hit over the head and abducted by Ray. She was tortured and drugged for two days, where she was in and out of consciousness, before Ray slit her throat and dumped her on the side of a road, believing she was dead. She was not. She was found, and her injuries were treated at a local clinic. She reported to the police and her husband what had happened to her, and unfortunately, neither of them believed her, and there was no follow-up that was pursued. Of course there wasn't. Her husband, who had actually believed she had been cheating on him, filed for divorce and moved to Colorado. This man was a suspected murderer and proven torturer of women. He was suspected of killing over 60 women throughout the course of his crimes, but no bodies were ever found. This is considered to be because of his accomplices would dispose of the bodies in a nearby mine shaft where they went unlocated. He had many accomplices over the years to help pull off his hideous act. 
A few named are Glenda Jean, also known as Jesse Ray, his daughter. Dennis Yancey, who um, actually dated one of the girlfriends that Ray kidnapped and tortured. And then Dennis strangled her to death at the end. No reason. Why, like, there's no reason why What in this. kind of a town is this? I know. Um, and Billy Bowers, who Ray admitted to murdering, and he was a previous, like, work colleague of his. Many of his other unidentified friends and local authorities were thought to be involved. His friends would rape the women as they were bent over in wooden structures that immobilized them. After he was caught, over 100 agents were sent to scour his property for evidence of human remains. However, no identifiable human remains were found to link him to any actual murders. His sentencing was tried in three separate trials. First, for Cynthia Vigil, This trial resulted in a mistrial and retrial where he was convicted on 12 of the accused accounts. The second for Angelica Montano's trial, who unfortunately had passed away before the trial could begin, causing it to actually be thrown out by the courts. And third, Kelly Garrett. He was sentenced to years imprisonment for the abduction and sexual torture of these women at his home. 224 years. During his trial, Cindy Hendy testified against him, resulting in a lesser charge for herself. This ended with uh, the charge of a 36-year sentence in which she was able to apply for parole in 2017. Yancey was charged with second-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. He was sentenced to two 15-year sentences. However, in 2010, he was paroled after only serving 11 years, The parole was delayed while trying to find a place to live, but only three months after he was released on probation and he violated his terms and was sentenced to serve the rest of the time left on his original sentence. He will be released in 2021. In May 2002, Ray was transported to Lee County Jail in Hobbs, New Mexico, where only a year into his sentence, he died of a heart attack, all before his initial interrogation could even begin. I did not go into all the detail of the sadistic toy box Ray had created for him and his accomplices, just for the plain fact that it is disgusting and extremely inhumane. A lot more detail, detailed information can be found online regarding these crimes, and I truly encourage those who like this story to do their own research and let me know what you think. Well, and there's some pretty cool like documentaries up there I've seen on it as well. Like, yeah. I was, like, looking at pictures and stuff of this, like, van that he made, and it's, like, creepy as fuck. Mm. Yeah. Like, I could not imagine. I, I just don't understand why so many people were like, this sounds like a fun idea. Let's help you. Yeah. Like, lots of his friends. I don't understand, like, either, like, how none, none of the bodies, like, why were, like, were the mine shafts, like looked into like what happened there you know i couldn't find any information on that oh my god well that does not sound like a place i ever want to go i know (laughs) (laughs) okay my turn so i did the ashland tragedy in 1881 oh long time ago because you know like we're getting close to christmas so i thought why not to a murder that happened almost at christmas and just ruined the best time of the year for everyone yeah why not? Talk about murder. Okay. Everybody loves murder on Christmas. <laughs> right? 
Um, okay, so on the night of December 23rd, 1881, um, in a small town near the Ohio, Ohio River in Ashland, Kentucky, three teenagers were staying at the Gibbons household while their father was working in another town and the mother was away visiting her eldest daughter. So it was 17-year-old Robert Gibbons, his 14-year-old sister Franny, and their 15-year-old friend Emma. They were fast asleep when three assailants entered to wreak havoc on the house. Emma's mom, who was a nearby neighbor, looked out the window earlier in the night to check on the kids in the house, and everything seemed normal then. Later, the sound of and sight of flames caught the attention of neighbors. The three victims were found dead inside. Wow. An axe and a crowbar, which were the murder weapons, both saturated in blood and hair, were also found at the scene. So the physicians that attended the crime scene reported that the victims had died being bludgeoned to death. Their That's skulls so all smashed to pieces. Oh my god. So there was also evidence that the two girls had been brutally raped. It was concluded that the arson was committed in an attempt to cover up the crime. Wow. So then, dawn broke on Christmas Eve, and word of the gruesome murder spread through the town. And although crimes back then, like robbery and drunken fights, were normal in that era, um, homicides were not. Okay. Um, and so everybody was completely, like, just shocked. shocked and blown away by it. So after days of investigation and questioning various people, George Ellis, after displaying signs of guilt, soon confessed to the crime, thinking it would buy him leniency and implicated his accomplices, William Neal and Ellis Kraft. He claimed they had been discussing the crime for months. William Neal had supposedly claimed that he was going to have carnal communication with Emma before Christmas Day. That sounds disgusting. What does that even mean? Sex? Interesting. Maybe. Why would you phrase it that way? Yeah. Freaking weird. So in his first confession, one of the one of the few that he did confess, and then he recanted this one. He said, a few nights prior to the twenty fourth, I met Kraft, who stated that he was going to go see Franny um, Gibbons, and take her back and take her some black candy, and that he was going to have intercourse with her, and he wanted me to come along. What? Like why would you bring a friend? <laughs> About midnight, the fatal night, um, we all started, um, so we all started off and we headed to the house. Um, when we got to the house, Kraft raised the window with an old axe and stepped in first. Neil followed and I stayed behind on the porch and afterwards I went into, after like he made sure there was no one around. Mm -hmm. So Robbie was the first aroused, who was the, the older brother, Mm -hmm. um, because he heard noise, and he started to get up when Kraft said, you better lie still. Kraft then went to the bed where the two girls were sleeping and began to take him and began to rape them. Basically. So I guess Robert had said, you'd better stay away from there when, um, like, he was trying to defend his sisters, mm. and then all of a sudden he was hit in an, um, by Kraft with the axe. Ugh. So he fell back onto the lounge, then plunged forward and fell... Um, and fell down the stairs, which is where he was found. But he was hit a few more times with the axe. So the girls were screaming, and Kraft jumped onto the bed, and they both said, George Kraft, what are you here for? Emma also started to jump from the bed when they started to choke her and pulled her to the floor. She fought really, I guess she fought hard. There was, like, defensive wounds Hmm. on her and, like, on his body. Um, And, yeah. 
which I mean outraged him even more. So then he struck her on the head with the end of a crowbar and she instantly died. Hmm. Kraft also had some trouble with Franny because she wouldn't lie still and called on the other guys to come and help him. He was he was outraged and then he killed her with the crowbar as well. Um so Neil proposed that they light the house on fire because they're like they won't find us if it burns right. down. So they poured um they poured stuff all over the bodies and they said they lit them on fire. Wow. Gruesome. Um so I mean the police don't know exactly what happened because they've changed their stories eight times. Eight but that, times? Yeah, but there's um like by the evidence is how they think it went down kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um so William Neal was executed in eighteen eighty three. Because they were and they were hanged because Good. it was in the eighteen eighties. Mm-hmm. And Ellis Kraft was executed in eighteen eighty five. George Ellis, who was the one who confessed originally, was given a life sentence and he thought that, hey, I got away with it because I didn't get put to death. Mm-hmm. But in the eighteen eighties they can do people could do whatever the fuck they want and I guess a mob like tore him out of the jail cell and hanged him. Are you serious? Yeah. He deserved it. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of fucking. But I thought I liked the ending because I'm like, fuck you. That yeah. That's what you fucking had coming. She's like, murder three children. I think if. Okay. I, I'm always really, like, stuck on the, like, whole, like. I believe that if you kill somebody and it's not in, like, self defense or, like, anything like that, like, if you're purely just murdering somebody out of hate, you deserve to also be murdered by well. the state. <laughs> <laughs> I think also that, like, they went there with the full intent of raping these girls, and they brought weapons with them. So yeah. So, they had an intention to kill. If they had to. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, why why should somebody live... Why should somebody be able to take others' lives and not have their life taken? Exactly. Like I said, like, if it's in self-defense or it's an actual accident or whatever, that's a different story. Yeah. But, if you intended to kill that person, like, fuck, the world needs less people like you, so just do whatever you gotta do. <laughs> I agree. We should have a death penalty episode where we, we just we discuss should. the death penalty. Oh, that'd be so controversial. I know. So many people are like, oh, how can you believe that this person? I'm like, they fucking killed another person. <laughs> it's not like we're saying, you know, innocent people. Yeah. Be or like people that like accidentally harmed another individual or did it in self-defense that's a totally different like there has to be a hundred percent proof that they committed the murder i agree you know but then like why would you even want them to survive like they're gonna be put back on the street and your their next victim could be you so well just like the douglas garland thing yeah he should not be alive so no he should be dead 100 percent. i'm sure his family feels differently but fuck I'm sorry, but if I had a kid, I mean, I love... I'm sure I would feel differently if I was a mom, but I feel like if I had a kid and they murdered somebody, I wouldn't defend them. Yeah. If it was, you know, like, not on purpose. Yeah. 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 It's hard to say. I know. I mean, I'm just asking you because you are a mom. Well, no, like, and I'm thinking about it, and I I don't... Yeah, like, what would That's you do? A, I don't know. That's a scary thought. It's just, absolutely, it's a scary thought, and I I mean, I think I'd need to assess if it happened in the situation, but... Yeah. 
But I actually, um, I watched this, there's a documentary show on um, Netflix called Killer Women. Mm. And it's about, like, women who have committed crimes or whatever, and they're talking to this one. They talk to the victims' families as well, and then, like, the family of the killer. Right. So... I must watch it. It's really good. You'll like it. Um, So the mom of the the woman who killed testified against her in court. And and so, like, the host is talking to her, and he's like, "Um, do you think that your daughter... Because she claims her innocence, mm-hmm. still, right? And they're like, she's. He's like, do you think that your daughter killed this person, this, like her husband? And he, she was like, hundred percent, I do. And she's like, I, holy shit. She's like, I don't believe that she should get away with it either. And she's like, I had to make that decision, but she made a terrible decision in her life, and I don't think, you know, it would do me no good to. Yeah, for sure. You know, not testify against her. And she's like, I don't think I could, you know, like live with myself, basically. Yeah, and what if, like I said, what if she has, like, a mental disorder or something and then comes after her mom now? You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, people are fucked up. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. even express it. But yeah, watch Killer Women. Also watch I Am a Killer. I Am a Killer. Did you watch that yet? No. It's about, they talk to people that are on death row. Oh. And they, they, and they also talk to, like, the victims, the family, and they go through the story. It's very well done. Interesting. I know what I'm doing for the next 18 hours. Yeah. I, I like, literally just... I, the only thing I do in my life is watch true crime documentaries on Netflix. Oh, and now, like, holiday romantic comedies because they're they're out and they're lame and I love them. Oh, my god. See, I have a soft side. Yes, she does, people. I'm a, I'm a romantic at heart who also likes murder. <laughs> Don't fuck with her. That's what she's saying. <laughs> you want to date her? That's fine. But don't fuck with her. Exactly. Don't fuck me. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm nice. You can come talk to me. <laughs> well, I think that's the end of the episode. And always remember, everybody. Always keep your wine glasses full. And don't get murdered. Bye. Bye.